The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Good afternoon, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle on WKNC FM Raleigh. It's May 11th. The time is 4.04. And on behalf of the team here at WKNC, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I'm Ian Grice. And I'm Marissa Jordan, bringing you Eye on the Triangle this Wednesday afternoon. For today's Eye on the Triangle, we'll be bringing you a look at the events in the week ahead with the community calendar. Marissa will be talking about what the Bishop of the Diocese of Raleigh has to say about the controversial HB2 bill. And this year's Hopscotch Music Festival lineup will be discussed. Jake Winters brings you Snowverated this week. He reviews the dystopian film Lobster. And as always, Nick Weaver brings you the indie rock Modest Mouth Review. This week he reviews A Coliseum Complex Museum, an album by Besnard Lakes. But first, Jamie Halla has some of the highlights of MOOCfest the annual Multi-Day Music, Arts, and Technology Festival in Durham. Ah, festival season is here, and around America, hundreds of thousands of music fans have been enjoying music in the blistering heat and sweaty venues of the world. This year marks the first year of a new festival for the Triangle, Moog Fest, being held in Durham, North Carolina, across multiple venues within the downtown area. It is a unique festival as it highlights musicians, but also the technology that goes behind making music. It features performances from Grimes, Odessa, Denzel Curry, Tory Lanez, and many more. There are also unique things including workshops entitled Beats and Star Wars Demo, Musical Rube Goldberg Workshop, and many more. Speakers include Jizza, Mickey Blanco, and Lori Anderson, amongst many other doctors and leaders in the field of technology. But most important, well for me anyway, is the performance of a lifetime, Sun. Or if you want to see the typography, it's Sun O bracket bracket bracket, or it's commonly known as Sun. The world-famous drone duo will be performing at the Carolina Theater at Fletcher Hall, Saturday at 7.30. Now, this is a duo whose live show is supposed to be quite the experience due to the sheer volume they play at. There are quite a few rumors floating around the internet that their live set has caused permanent damage to ears and even made a few people vomit. I'm not sure if I want either of those things to happen to me, but I'm not opposed to it. One might be wondering, well, how do I protect myself from this happening to me? Well, luckily enough, I have a few ideas for you on that one. The first one would be to purchase a pair of 88.1 WKNC branded earplugs. Find that on our merch store. Then, to be doubly sure, I would throw in a pair of earmuffs or some form of over-the-ear protection because I can't stress how loud it's going to be. If this appeals to you, another act that might be worth your time is Portland, Oregon's avant-garde noise metal act, The Body, who operate in a similar manner to Sun, but play a little bit faster. They'll have a similar effect where your body will feel 
a little bit weird afterward because it's so loud. The Body recently released an excellent collaborative LP with Maryland hardcore band Full of Hell entitled One Day You Will Ache Like I Ache. If avant-garde noise metal isn't your cup of tea, may I suggest many of the fine hip-hop options the festival offers, including the Toronto artist Tory Lanez, Carol City's Denzel Curry, Jizza of Wu-Tang Clan, and two rising North Carolina rappers in Professor Toon, and Wells. I would be most excited for Denzel Curry as he has released song after song of pure, dark, and intense hip-hop bliss, but unfortunately his set conflicts with my most anticipated act of the festival, Canadian electric-slash-pop artist Grimes who is definitely going to have one of the most fun and exciting sets of the entire festival. Grimes is playing at the Motorco Music Hall Park at 8.50pm Friday night. Grimes is definitely a can't miss for anyone looking to have a fun time. Luckily, my main hip-hop fix for the festival doesn't have any conflicts, and that is Tory Lanez, the Toronto hip-hop artist who walks the line between hard-hitting street anthems and smooth R&B-tinged songs. He will take the Motorco stage at 11.45pm Friday night, and make sure to stay afterwards for hip-hop legacy act Jizza of Wu-Tang Clan fame. This is the first year Durham is hosting MoFest, and it's sure to be the start of something great for the city. Hello and welcome. I'm Nick Weaver of Eye on the Triangle, and you are listening to the Modest Mouth Review. Ladies and gentlemen, it is approximately 7 p.m. and very nice outside right now, but I wouldn't know because right now I am in the station recording my review of a Coliseum Complex Museum by Besnard Lakes, which, subsequently a month later, you are listening to. Hello from the past. Anywho, if I sound disgruntled today, it is because I am, and not because the album is terrible. Though, only time will tell on that front. Well then, let's get right down to it. Just who exactly are the Besnard Lakes? Well, for starters, they're actually not that small for an indie rock band. They're led by a husband and wife duo who formed the group back in 2003 in Montreal, Quebec. So it's also safe to say this isn't their first rodeo. In fact, it's their fifth. The album I'm reviewing today, A Coliseum Complex Museum, was preceded by the album's Volume 1, The Besnard Lakes Are the Dark Horse, The Besnard Lakes Are the Roaring Night, and Until in Excess Imperceptible UFO. Did I mention I really hate their album names? Because I do. I hate them a lot. At any rate, they've been working the circuit for quite some time now and have even provided the score for the Mark Ruffalo film Sympathy for Delicious. Yes, you heard both of those things right. So, that of course begs the question, what is the fifth album of this established indie rock band like? Well, for starters, it's pretty weird. The first song starts off melodic and gradually contradicts itself musically more and more until it basically just ends. Though the rest of the songs on the album are way more standard and conventional, the first one really threw me for a loop and caught me off guard. The whole album uses pretty set features making it a cohesive piece. 
Every track makes use of heavy echo and decay, creating a sort of dream pop feel. The vocals are barely audible most of the time, in fact, due to the album's focus on that ethereal sound. The primary instruments used are a mix of synthetic drums and guitar and bass with drawn-out echo, decay, and light distortion. It'd be a stretch to say it's a clean sound, but it's most definitely not heavily distorted in any way other than the vocals, which themselves are layered atop each other with a sort of tube condenser effect and, of course, echo. Also a great deal of reverb, but that applies to the instruments as well. There's some very nice harmonics going on, as well as some very intricate background vocal work, though it is difficult to hear what with the strong emphasis and blend on the drums and bass. These two instruments being primarily responsible for the overall tone of the album, I suppose it makes some sense. I'd say that pretty much every song has a chilled out, spacey feel to it, laid back even, and at times relaxing. The band does a great job at creating a cohesive blend and encapsulating a certain original sound. It's all very pleasant. Despite this, the album is far from perfect. There's nothing particularly mind-blowing about it, for one thing. It may not be standard indie rock fare, but that's mostly because it borrows so much from pop and electronica, resulting in an album that doesn't distinguishably fit into just one category. This is an interesting feat, to be sure, but it's no real innovation. The album falls just short of being original or innovative in all the right ways. Another thing that keeps this album from being better than it is would be the strange choice in mixing. Throughout most of the album, as I said before, the emphasis is on the bass and drums. Normally, this would be fine, if there were any particularly intricate instrumentation going on there. However, there really isn't, and the result is that you have to listen very closely to pick out some of the actual interesting features of each song. Being less bass-inclined myself, I felt as though while listening to the album my ears were just adjusting to getting onto an airplane and hadn't cleared yet. Very annoying. Overall, while the album has its good qualities and is, I find, a worthwhile piece of music, it doesn't reach far enough past the surface to be anything more than just decent. I would say I hope the band can grow from here and really shape its sound into something new and unique, but given that this is their fifth album, I'm not holding my breath. They've had time to figure that out at this point, and if it hasn't happened yet, I doubt it will. For my final rating on a scale of negative 2 to 7, I give this album a 3. It's just above average, but nothing more. That's really the best I can say. The album is once again, A Coliseum Complex Museum by Besnard Lakes. God, I hate that name. That's all for today. I've been Nick, though I'm also known as Linz, Klesk, Meerkat, or just that dude who can't dress himself properly in public. I'm less fond of that last one. Thanks again for listening in, and I'll speak to you all again next time. This is Jacob Winters for Eye on the Triangle. This is Snowverated, and this week I will be taking a look at the film The Lobster. You may never have heard of this film before, and that would be because it has not yet been released in the U.S. fully. It premiered in the U.S. last November at the AFI Film Festival, but was initially shown at the Cannes Film Festival of last year. It is set for release this Friday. It was directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, a Greek film writer and director, and it reminded me a lot of the Northern European films I have reviewed this year. It is set in a dystopic world, and the plotline is eccentric to say the least. The director is known for this odd style, and has gained recognition for being unique and staying within his style. 
An example of someone else who has done something similar is Wes Anderson. He has a distinct style, and it's really recognizable. That's the best way I can describe Lanthimos' films. The style is characterized by its faded colors, and it takes whatever theme he chooses and distorts it. It presents a perspective on a common idea and gives a weird view of it. In The Lobster, he chooses to distort the common perception of love. Along with all of this also comes obscene imagery as a staple in his style. Like many eccentric and dystopic films, its meaning is up to the audience. Lanthimos definitely had an idea and direction for what he wants you to get from it, and some may clearly get that, but the meaning has to be determined by the viewer. The base of the plot goes like this. Everyone in this world has to have a partner. If they do not have a partner, they are hunted down and brought to a hotel where they must search for a partner so they can return to the city. If they fail to do so within a given amount of time, they are turned into an animal. It is obvious to see how this can be interpreted in many ways. The hotel is a symbol, the animals are a symbol, there's just an overload of symbols in this movie. This is where I am reminded of films from Northern Europe. They have a very similar storytelling method. They confuse the viewer to keep them captivated. It is like you are trying to solve a puzzle without all of the pieces. You look for the answers to the questions, but it's very likely you will never find them. You are left trying to fill in the gaps with ideas that you yourself have created. This is what intrigues me about this style of filmmaking. It doesn't force you to accept its world. It will never spoon-feed you the meaning. You must think in order to get something from it. The charade in these movies demands talented actors. It needs to seem like the world is normal to them. It needs to feel natural. Yeah, my brother is a dog who is with me wherever I go, and he was changed into this dog, but that's just where I am now. This is presented as normal. They have no problem with their situation. They are just the unfortunate loners. Colin Farrell plays the lead in this film and does just what the movie asks of him, a blank face in the presence of oddity. The actors all do a fantastic job of living inside this odd world. Their emotions are all so out of place to the viewer that it can only be perceived as a different world completely. We can have no understanding of what is truly going on in their minds. Another familiar face, John Riley, shows up in the film. You might know him from Step Brothers or Talladega Nights. This film actually does lend itself to his odd style of acting, and he does a great job. In the same way that the acting and storyline are meant to be off-putting, the music and filming is as well. When doing something that is so different from what is usually seen by audiences, it is important to have a very distinct style that does not forget about any aspect of the film. The music foreshadows and tells the viewer when something terrible is happening. It lets us know that the world is not in fact normal, even though everything we see tells us that the characters think it is. The music is used as a way for the director to communicate how the scene is beyond normality. The faded colors that the film uses has this effect as well. Something is just not right with everything about the film, and that is how you know that this film was done correctly. The movie is obscene in many cases. The violence is all part of the way the film puts you off balance. It questions love, and it questions your sense of morality. It's a weird movie, but it inspires thoughts about normal topics. I'm going to give this movie an 8 out of 10. It made me think about what love means to me, and what its place is in the world. It did so without ever questioning itself. It never made mistakes in its style, and nothing felt out of place, even though everything in the film should have felt out of place. It gives the viewer a sense of tension throughout, and it never leaves. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Eye on the Triangle and Snowverated. I hope you enjoy the rest of your night.
This is WKNC FM Raleigh, and you're listening to Eye on the Triangle. I'm Ian Grice. And I'm Marissa Jordan. As HB2 has been one of the most current and controversial topics of 2016, it makes sense that the leader of the Catholic Diocese of Raleigh, which spans about half the state, would comment on the bill. Up until this past week, the bishop had not released an official statement about the bill, but previously had spoke out against the Charlotte Ordinance, allowing transgender people to use their preferred bathroom, which preceded HB2. Burbage has stated that the law concerns him. He said, It's not meant to be bigoted, but meant to create an environment the community thinks is appropriate, but obviously there's misconception and there's some misunderstanding, and it should be talked about. In his official statement, the bishop stated that he would like respectful boundaries between the genders in his parishes, but does not want anyone to feel unwelcome in these churches, regardless of gender or gender identity. The bishop thinks that the issue has become too politically complicated and does not take a side to any particular solution to HB2, but hopes it will be resolved with understanding and respect. In local news, music fans have been excited about the recent release about the Hopscotch Festival music lineup. As many of the artists have been announced for the Raleigh Festival taking place in September. Big names include Beach House, Erica Badu, Television, and Converge, although the schedule and official headliners have not been released. A note of interest for 2016's lineup is the influx of hip-hop and hip-hop-influenced artists. This trend dates back two years, when Earl Sweatshirt and Action Bronson were both originally slated to perform and continued last year with the somewhat surprising appearance of Pusha T. Hopscotch has gone be- above and beyond what anyone could have expected in the context of hip-hop this year with some relatively big-name artists. Erica Badu, Young Thug, and Vince Staples, as well as rising rap artists in Cooley High, who are locally beloved for their song Dear Raleigh, will be performing. Whether or not you are a fan of hip-hop, it's interesting to see a lot of new and different things coming to Hopscotch. The full lineup can be found at hopscotchmusicfest.com. For Community Calendar The English Second Language Symposium will be this Friday and Saturday, May 14th and 15th at the NC State McKimmon Center. The ESL Symposium of 2016 will bring together ESL teachers, specialists, and publishers for an enriching two days of professional development and community building. This Sunday, May the 15th, Racing for Rescues welcomes you and your dogs to join them for the Second Chance Pet Adoption Racing for Rescue 5K and Walk. Second Chance is a nonprofit animal rescue organization and has rescued stray or abandoned cats and dogs in the Triangle area of North Carolina since 1987, making it the oldest no-kill rescue organization in Wake County. All event proceeds will go to help homeless dogs and cats in the program. Find more information at secondchancenc.org, and the race will be on Centennial Campus of NC State. I'd like to thank I'd like to thank Nick Weaver, Saif Son, Jake Winners, and Jamie Holla for contributing. As always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know on Twitter at WKNC underscore EOT. 
And be sure to check out our blog and podcast at wknc-eot.tumblr.com. You can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next Wednesday right here on WKNC. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Ian Grice. And I'm Marissa Jordan. 